and welcome to the Harrogate Podcast with me, Andrew Gray. Today I'm delighted to have with me Guy Phoenix, who is a, I would say, an international man of mystery, but not that mysterious, but a very interesting chap who's led a brilliant business life. There'll be a book, Guy Phoenix, the book coming out at some point soon in the future, and I'm sure I will read it. We'll also do a separate podcast with Guy about his previous working life, which involves stints in South Africa, Japan, uh, British Virgin Islands. He's worked for Rolls-Royce. He's been in a dot-com bubble and so on. He's had successes, he's had failures, but things are going brilliantly well for him, and I'm not surprised. But today we're going to talk about cyber security, and I don't have very long to talk to Guy about cyber security because Barclays Bank in Harrogate have summoned him in to talk to people at Barclays Bank about this cyber insurance, cyber security, not cyber insurance, but of course cyber insurance will come up. Guy, how are you? Oh, I'm fine, thanks, Andrew. It's so great to be here. Thank you for having me. It's all right. So tell me about your businesses first, then we'll go into cyber security. Certainly, I have several businesses that are in the digital sphere. So predominantly IT, IT support services and everything associated with that, website and digital marketing businesses, and of course, cybersecurity businesses. So, and if it's if it's associated with something you do on a computer, pretty much my businesses are involved with it. Yes, and in our pre-chat, we have gone through that, and my goodness, you have an impressive CV. But I won't make you blush any more than you already are when I say how impressive I, I found you to be. Now, tell me, should the businesses of Harrogate be concerned about cyber attacks? I mean, this is just Harrogate. This is North Yorkshire. I mean. Who's attacking the, the small businesses of, is, of Harrogate? Surely you're you know, beating your head against a brick wall, essentially, when it comes to talking to Harrogate businesses about <laughs> cyber matters. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a really good question, and I'm, and I'm pleased, you're pleased you phrase it that way. And the, the, the short answer is absolutely the businesses and, and people of Harrogate should be concerned. And in particular, if you are a small and medium-sized enterprise, you should absolutely be very concerned. And, and the reason for that is that about three years ago, the, the, the worldwide cyber attackers, and be, be no doubt, it's a, it's, this is a worldwide business for them now. It's, it's, it's a criminal enterprise, but it's a business. Switched from attacking large companies to small and medium-sized companies. And, and switched their emphasis, I should say. And the reason they did that was because, of course, larger companies have grown aware, very aware of the threat, and have started to put up significant defences which makes them that much harder to hit. They still do get hit. We still see all of the headlines, etc., etc. So that, however, they've, because of that, they've switched their emphasis to small and medium-sized enterprises. And the reason they've, they've done that is because, A, what you just alluded to, some SMEs don't actually think they're, they're a target for this, this kind of crime. And I'm sorry to say they are. And secondly, because of the very nature of an, of an SME, you don't have the same resources as a, as a multinational corporation to protect yourself necessarily. So the cyber criminals are targeting them for that reason as well. They think they'll just be easier to hack. It's as simple as that. That, that makes perfect sense. But you know, surely a million pound turnover business in Harrogate that you know is selling widgets or whatever. You know, what what is the risk to this? How are these attacks happening? How will it? How could it perhaps close these businesses down, if at all? The, the number of, of ways of, of attacking a business are, are, are into the hundreds. The still most successful way that a business gets hacked is through what's called a phishing email. So an email that comes through 
it will have an attachment or a link and someone in the company clicks on it. And from that point forward, if your IT systems and your cybersecurity measures are not as they should be, the hackers are off to the races. And what typically happens in a scenario like that when an employee's opened a dodgy email? The best case scenario is you'd probably get hit with some, some ransomware or something like that. And I call that best case because then they'll be demanding Bitcoin ransom from you, which depending on the value of Bitcoin, which obviously fluctuates, is going gonna, is gonna to set you back around four or five hundred pounds. The problem is that a ransomware software like, where like that doesn't restrict itself to a single computer. It will, it's designed to spread through your network. And therefore, you can be looking at that on every single computer and even your server, etc., etc. So the costs of that mount up if you choose to pay the ransom. There are measures that we can help put in place to prevent you from having to do that in the first place. So that's best case. Worst case? <laughs> Worst case is you get someone who's patient. And that's what we see more and more. So you click on a link and nothing happens. And you think, oh, well, okay, nothing happened. We're okay. In fact, what's happened is that you've provided access to a hacker who is going to sit there patiently for weeks, if not months, and they're going to watch what you do online. They're going to watch your emails going in and out. They're going to watch your transactions with your banks, etc., etc. They're just going to watch and learn and figure out the most persuasive way that they can send you an email or do something else to your systems that will actually bring about their desired, uh, their desired outcome, which is almost invariably getting a ton of money out of you. So that's one way. Another way we've seen is that they will simply log on one evening, change some of your accounting settings so that when your regular supplier invoices get paid, they get paid into someone else's bank account and you won't find out for weeks until your supplier start ringing up saying, hey, you know, we haven't had our direct debit payment this month. Yes, you have. No, you haven't. Yes, you have. No, you haven't. Oh. I hear what you're saying, Guy, but does much of this depend upon the hacker's ability to get access to your online banking or is that sort of a non-issue, really? It's more, as you say, the changing of your customers or details that have been sent to your customers rather than access to the bank's. You're right. It's very much the latter. I mean, the banks have set up incredibly sophisticated systems, as you would expect. And whilst no system is unhackable, it is very, very challenging to get into the banks without the right credentials. So what the, what the hackers will do, of course, is focus on either trying to ascertain what those credentials are so that they can access your bank account themselves, or... Find, find a different measure, which is in, invariably based on trust. So try and convince one of your suppliers or one of your customers that they're you and get, get you to transfer money to them. So why, why hack the bank when they can get you to do it for you? Yeah, in a way, it's genius. I almost admire the brilliance of it. Oh, it's obviously pretty evil, but brilliant nevertheless. Have you got some examples of when things have gone horribly wrong? I, I do, and, and, and I... I'll, I'll, I'll give a bit of a health warning because a, a, lot, a lot of this stuff happens globally because it's, the internet is global. So hackers are global. So I'd, I'd ask your listeners in Harrogate to, to, just think, to just bear with me because whilst it might not sound like a Harrogate on Harrogate hack, in fact, this is exactly the kind of thing that can, that can happen to you. So we had an example about a month ago now 
where one of our customers in the British Virgin Islands came to us and said, hey, we've been notified by a law firm in the UK that we've instructed them to transfer money. And in fact, we've, we've spotted that it's not correct, so we're not going to go ahead and do it. Now, fortunately, the company in the British Virgin Islands had actually taken cybersecurity training from us, which was how they'd, they'd been able to spot it happening in the first place. Had they proceeded with the transaction, they, they, it, it, the request was for something like $4 million, and that would have been on them to actually do that. We were asked to find out what had happened, and it turned out that, in fact, the, the law firm in the UK themselves had been hacked, and they'd been doing what I described earlier. The, the hackers had been sitting there monitoring, and they decided they would send an email to this company in the BVI as the best possible, one of the best possible ways of maybe getting some money out of them. We traced the relevant technology and found that that particular hacker was in Nigeria. So regrettably, very, very challenging to take any further action against a, a company in Nigeria when you cross jurisdiction like that. So that was an example that we were able to help our client foil. And as I said, because they had availed themselves of our, of our training. Uh, we had another example, which unfortunately uh, ended far less happily. One of our customers, again in the British Virgin Islands, had a client in Dubai and said they, did, they just put us in touch with the client in Dubai because it wasn't a transaction particularly involving them, but he, the client in Dubai got, had, had a problem. So I spoke to the, the gentleman in Dubai, and he had received an instruction from a firm in Mauritius, who he deals with all the time, to transfer $9 million in funds to a client account, which he had done. And again, it was exactly the same scenario. Uh, it turned out his systems had been hacked about eight weeks before. And the, uh, the hackers had been monitoring. They'd seen the kind of transactions and the kind of correspondence that went on between him and his, his, the various uh, companies he dealt with. They decided that perhaps the, the firm in Mauritius would be a, a good one to, to look at exploiting. And, uh, and that's what they did. So he transferred that money. It was gone. We were asked to try and assist in tracing. It led back to Nigeria. I, I would just say, I'm, I'm giving, it sounds like I'm giving Nigeria a bad name. It's, it's, it's not just in Nigeria, it's, it's all over the world. That one also led back to Nigeria. And the client in Dubai was asked to make good on the funds, which he could not. So um, he's now out of business. Wow. Yeah, it is existential, isn't it? Business ending is a is. moment like that. Surely, though, um, business in Harrogate could just purchase cyber insurance and that will just cover everything or, or, or will it i'm guessing maybe not it's a it's a really good question and it, it's something I'm, I'm asked quite a lot and i have to say it concerns me for for some of the reasons you, you kind of alluded to in your question andrew i've read some of the cyber insurance policies and i, I have a number of concerns with them I, i'm not siding with the insurance companies here but I, i'm slightly concerned that they haven't quite understood what they themselves are letting themselves in for, because a lot of the policies to me look like they might be all-encompassing. And there are two problems with that. First of all, if they are indeed all-encompassing, they're going to start seeing a lot and a lot of claims, and they're going to start paying out big money, which means they'll start to tighten their policies and the policy prices will start to go up. And I think we're already seeing dramatic increases in those policy prices. But I'm more concerned about people who are taking out the, ins the insurance policies thinking, well, that's great, I don't have to do anything about cybersecurity now because I'm insured. Well, if you've got a nice car or a nice house, just because you've got insurance doesn't mean you don't lock it up. 
at night, does it? And, and cybersecurity is exactly the same. It might be in the virtual world, uh, the digital world, but it's exactly the same. You have to lock up your systems. And my fear would be with cyber insurance is you have to have lots of systems in place that you probably don't have. That if, if you are ever hit and you do produce a, you know, put a, submit a claim, the insurers will say, well, wh- where was your antivirus? Where was your training? Where was this? Sure. And if you can't evidence that, then I don't think they'd pay out your claim. So you'd lose sort of twice, actually. You think you're covered, you paid the premium, and actually you're not covered and your business is being shut down. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's, that's exactly, exactly the concern I have. So you should by all means get insurance but also take out the measures that you need to take uh, in order to protect your business and is one of those measures just simply antivirus is that enough should all you know reputable businesses just employ antivirus software on all their computers and then would they then would they be fine or is it there more to it than just antivirus uh, re- regrettably there's much more to it than that antivirus as far as as far as we're concerned uh, my business is a concern from an IT perspective is an absolute given you must have it in the same way that you have an email program you must have antivirus software without that I mean we, we, we simply can't help you you have to have some basic foundations before we can even talk to you about combating the cybersecurity threat so what we look at is we'll look at a, a holistic view but to begin with we look at the what's called the insider threat which is your employees and not to mean that your employees mean you harm but they can inadvertently they could click that link for example and we also look at managing your and monitoring your network traffic by which i mean we have software that sees everything that's coming in and out of your network and the moment that software sees something it doesn't like it tells us and we act on it so there's a there are technological solutions and there's the human solutions, and you have to do both. Sure. If businesses, perhaps like mine, all use the cloud, wherever the cloud may be, it, does that give us an extra level of protection um, rather than actually having a server? So are clouds more generally safer because we're dealing with bigger entities that hopefully have got better protection than server-based businesses? Um, I'm not very techie, so I might that's explain it, that correctly. It's quite all right, no problem. I, I think it actually gives you an extra level of risk because you're, you are depending on an external third-party cloud provider to provide whatever service it happens to be. Now, that's not to say you can't mitigate that risk. It's entirely doable. But if you, if you really wanted to give yourself full protection, then you would simply have an on-premises server uh, physically locked up, etc., and then with all of the relevant cybersecurity measures put in place, and then monitor traffic coming in and out of that. In other words, restrict what's accept, what access is available from the wider internet. As simple as that. Got it. And imagine so, installing some of these things is more GDPR compliant, perhaps, as well. Would that be fair to say? Um, GD, GDPR certainly plays a part. And, and, and the, the, I would say the major element, of course, of GDPR is, is if you suffer some form of data breach from a, from a hacker or in, in any way, shape or form it might happen, you might just leave a laptop on a train, for example, and that would still constitute a data breach if the data was on there and protected. I think what the ICO would be looking for in the case of a GDPR breach is what measures have you taken to actually to actually protect yourself and, 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 and were they reasonable and sensible and have you really done best endeavours to protect, protect from a data breach? I'm glad you mentioned the ICO, which of course is the Information Commissioner's Office, because... Harrogate businesses were actually quite famously attacked by cyber. I think it was back to 2015. I think it was Betty's Taylor's customers. It was something like more or less 100,000 customers had their data 
taken, however, so there's an article about it on the Herring Advertise website, I think it went more national than that. I don't think much of particular relevance was taken, I think it maybe just mean email addresses or, or something. But that was obviously here in Harrogate, and it, therefore there was hundred thousand customers, no doubt thousands of them were local here as well. So, and that was yeah. two thousand and fifteen, and you say it's getting more sophisticated as well, it would since then. It, it is, it is. And if I may, if I may just make a, a comment on that, yes, it, an email address may not seem like like a big deal for to be breached. Certainly, the ICO wouldn't take that view. As far as they're concerned, any personal data breach, they're, they're going to investigate, and 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 if you haven't taken the, the relevant measures, they they will certainly take a dim view of it, and and then proceed as they see fit but an email address itself is still gold to the hackers okay if, if they've got your email address they've got a start okay so one one thing that we've seen hackers do is what's called social engineering so in other words they'll take a look at your facebook page they'll take a look at your linkedin page and so on and so forth twitter instagram whatever your your social media and online profile happens to 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 say and I would say that in, in about 20% of cases, and that's just from my experience, that's empirical, just by looking at your Facebook profile, they'll, have a, they'll be able to make a pretty good stab at your password. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so don't give your email address away politely. Exactly. Now, Guy, you've got to run off to the Barclays Bank, and they are far more important than I am, and uh, there's a lot of people there to talk to. Uh, do you have any sort of final messages about cybersecurity? Cost, for example, you know, are people going to just be blown away when they see how costly this stuff is and to install? Um, is, it, is it affordable? I, I, I firmly believe it is, and, and I'm thinking about small and medium-sized enterprises in, in particular, and, and it's a message we, we've been trying to get across now for, for a couple of years. And in, in some respects, we've been successful with, with some clients and not so successful with others. But... We have online cybersecurity training that's available for uh, for staff um, for thirty five pounds, and you okay. get a, and you get a, stif- a certificate at the end of that if you pass. And we also the uh, monitoring software that I alluded to earlier uh, is just sixteen pounds a license. So this stuff is entirely affordable, and 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 takes you you know a magnitude higher in terms of your cybersecurity uh, awareness and and combat- combating the threat just through some simple measures like that. That does sound affordable, actually. I thought they were going to be saying thousands. It's 20,000 for this and 10,000 for that. <laughs> no, it's just in the, it's in the pounds and it's sort of it, it, it is. We, uh, we simply want to help small businesses. And, uh, you know, we, we can, we're, we're an SME ourselves. So we have exactly the same measures in place. We, we use that software and we do that training. And, you know, I, I have to look at affordability as a businessman myself. And it's entirely affordable. Guy, that's a great place to finish. Uh, thank you for coming in. We'll do a second podcast about your business life and the, the book that's coming out. And I wish you all the best helping all the very good businesses. Thank hey, you for your time today. Hey, Andrew, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you.